continue that series. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Pastor Ryan and I preach together uh, the same series uh, in Bishop most of the time. And uh, we, we very much value working together on our sermon series and uh, preaching together. Uh, you know, two minds are better than one. Three minds are better than one. Three people praying and seeking God uh, are, are better than one. And uh, it keeps our churches connected and working in unity. And so I want to continue in that series today. The series is entitled, I Pity the Fool. I Pity the Fool. And um, the original idea came from, uh, how many of you are reading the Bible with us uh, every day, reading the one-year Bible? A lot of you? Okay. How many of you are behind right now? I am. I, I am. The weekends get me. I'm not going to lie. Saturdays and Sundays get me every time. And so then I'm trying to catch up. But I'm, I'm absolutely enjoying reading the Bible every day, uh, reading, reading through. And one of my favorite things to read is reading the book of Proverbs, reading the book of Proverbs. I love this book. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I keep, you keep coming up on these same words over and over again. You hear the word wisdom, and then you hear the word fool or foolish, time, verse and verse and verse and verse again. But, you know, I don't really know, if I, if, I were to, if I were to say, how many of you are wise in the room today? A lot of you would raise your hand. If I, if I said, how many of you um, are fools, like no one would raise their hand. Because no one, we, none of us wake up in the morning and go, I'm, I'm going to act like a fool today. We don't think that. Uh, some of us, we don't necessarily think we're wise, but we don't think we're a fool either. We're, we're like somewhere in the middle. How, how many of you say of your life, I'm probably somewhere in the middle? Okay. But the truth is, Scripture refers to two categories, not a somewhere in the middle category. Either we're a fool or, or we're wise. And it gives us some very black and white standards of how to determine which category we're in. But if we never think we're the fool... When we read Scripture and we go through the context uh, of the book of Proverbs and really throughout Scripture, I, I did a quick search last week of how many hundreds of times the word fool or foolish is mentioned in Scripture. And it is literally hundreds and hundreds of times that it's mentioned. But if we don't think we're the fool, we skip over those verses only stop long enough to say, yeah, I know a few people that act like that, but never apply them to our lives. Here's the problem with that. If we never recognize that we're acting like a fool, then we look at the consequences in our life and we blame them on someone else or some other cause or the devil did it. But the truth is, the Bible has been very clear there are consequences to acting like a fool in your life. And if we don't recognize, man, I'm acting like a fool, then we don't connect the consequences to the decisions and the choices we're making. Are you tracking with me this morning? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to engage with me, all right? Uh, engage with me, uh, work with me here. So we have, to, we have to stop and look at what does it mean to be a fool? What are the characteristics of being a fool and then what are the consequences? And I'm fa if I'm facing the consequences, because so often, man, we, we can blame everybody. Our parents, the president, our boss, the devil, God, the pastor, the elders, 
the, the children's workers, the nursery workers, my co-workers. Uh, you can blame anything and anybody you want to, but oftentimes it really starts with, what are we doing? What are we doing or not doing? There are consequences. So when I was growing up, uh, Mr. T uh, was a huge character in my life uh, and, and in the world when I was a kid. And uh, I, 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 I may or may not have had a Mr. T starter kit. Thank God there was no social media then, because you might know. Um, but Mr. T said, I pity the fool. Why did, he, why did he say that? He said that in the Rocky movie, or in, in the movie he was in, uh, the Rocky movie he was in, because w- what he was saying was, as a boxer, if you get in the ring with me, we already know what the outcome is going to be, and I am going to knock you out. So when you get into a ring, knowing you're going to get knocked out, you're going to face the consequences of getting into the ring. You already know the consequence, and you're going to face it. That makes you a fool to even get in the ring knowing that you're about to get knocked out. Same thing applies to life. To get into the ring of life, knowing the outcome, and yet expecting something different makes you a fool. So I want to talk about part two. Part one was simply this. I'll give you a quick recap. Part one was, uh, you know a fool by the way he talks or what comes out of his mouth. You know a fool by what he says. Um, You you know a a fool by what leaves his mouth. Um, You're a fool if you slander others. You're a fool if you belittle your neighbor. You're a fool if you spout off before listening to facts. You're a fool if you belch out foolishness. These, these are things straight from the Word of God. Uh, and, and, you know, so often we, we slander others because we say, well, they did it to us or they deserved it. We belittle others because we say they deserved it. We spout off before listening to facts because, you know, we, we think the situation calls for it. But it was very clear. Um, the, the Bible did not put any unless they do this on these verses. He just said, if you slander others, you're a fool. If you belittle your neighbor, you're a fool. So every time we try to put conditions on it to justify what we're doing, we think it will take away the consequences, but it won't. So you're a fool if you slander others, belittle your neighbor, spout off before listening to facts, or if you belch out foolishness. Three consequences we talked about. Number one, you can't help anyone. You can't help anyone when you're a fool. This is a problem when you're trying to raise kids. If we were actually being honest with ourselves, can we look at our kids and say, what's wrong with my kids? But the truth is, it would start with, I've been acting a fool, and I can't help my kids. But we'll just leave that there and come, we'll just move on along. Number two, you cause resentment. Cause resentment in people we love. Cause resentment in our spouse and our family and our friends. We cause resentment. And number three, we are punished by our own words. You know that when we were talking about slandering others and belittling others and spouting off before listening to the facts, when we do that to others, the Bible is very clear. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so the same to the same measure that you slander others, you will in turn be slandered. Wonder why everyone's always talking bad about you? Ask yourself, who have I been talking bad about? 
You want to know why no one li- looks at the facts? They just judge you? Why they just spout off opinions about me, about you, and they don't even know the truth? Ask yourself, who have you spouted off opinions about without knowing the whole truth? I know, I know in this series that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard because, uh, you know, the, the Word of God is hard. And it steps on our toes, and it's very real. A month or so ago, uh, spring break. My father, uh, it, I, I live uh, in my father's house. We, he has an apartment that my wife, my family, and I live in. Uh, he spends most of his time in Sugar Land, so we kind of help him oversee his property. And above his garage, he had a big room up there that, over the years, had gotten filled with, let's call it stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. And it was packed. Couldn't even get in. Couldn't get, you, you know, I mean, if you needed something up there, you'd never be able to find it. So he is determined, I am cleaning that thing out. So one of the first things we have to do is all the lights were out up there. So we go upstairs, or, we, or he, he takes off to Lowe's, and he gets all new bulbs. It had the eight-foot um, shop lights, you know, the, 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 the fluorescent bulbs, you know, the eight-foot tubes. Uh, we don't have any in here. Eight-foot, they're, they're eight-foot long. And so he takes off to Lowe's. We live a pretty good ways from Lowe's. We live kind of out in the country. And so he takes off to Lowe's. He fights through the crowd. He gets his bulbs. He gets them all back home. Then we're, we're about to head upstairs with him. The next thing you know, he le- leans one against the wall. That was a bad idea. It didn't stay, not even, he took his hand off and it went and crashed on the ground. And I don't know if you know this, but those things like explode. There was glass everywhere, like 30 feet away. I'm like, how did it get over there? So then we spend all this time, and we sweep up all the glass, and we get it all cleaned up. Then we goes upstairs, and he changed every light bulb up there, which was, which was a bunch of them. And he changes all the lights, and he's like, all right, now I can turn these lights on, and we'll be able to see, and we'll be able to get this uh, attic cleaned out. Turns the light on, nothing works. So then what does he do? We get back up on the stool, and he reaches his hand up there. And, and if you've ever put in a fluorescent bulb, you know they have the prongs on the end. And you kind of stick them and turn them. Well, if you don't have them quite right, you know, you twist them a little bit till you get that flicker, and then you get them in the right place. You're like, there it is. So he goes through, and he's trying to twist every one of them. And none of them will come on. Not one of them. Finally, he realizes, I don't have a bulb problem. I have a ballast problem. Ballast is the housing that hangs on the wall that provides the electricity to light up the bulbs. And all of his ballasts were out. Somehow he had fried them all over the years. Here's the thing. He can go back to Lowe's, chew them out, exchange bulbs. He can get cheap bulbs. He can get expensive bulbs. He can get short life bulbs. He can get long life bulbs. He can keep changing bulb after bulb after bulb. But he doesn't have a bulb problem. He has a ballast problem. And in our lives, it functions the same way. We can change jobs. We can change churches. We can change marriages. We can change families. We can change cars. We can change houses. We can change cities. We can change schools. But if we have a ballast problem, if we have a problem in the fact that we are making decisions like a fool, our life will never, we'll never get the result that we want out of our life. Because it's not our marriage, and it's not our church, and it's not our house, and it's not our job. It's us. Okay? 
So today I want to continue this theme. And I want to talk to you about this. You know a fool by how he learns. You know a fool by how he learns. Proverbs 17 and 16. It is senseless to pay to educate a fool since he has no heart for learning. Depending on the verse that you, the version that you read, uh, it, it talks about this in several ways. But but here's the here's the core principle. The first way you know a fool is that a fool has no heart for learning. A fool does not even want to learn. In reading version to version, they give us two different pictures of this verse. They, they give us um, they they give us kind of two word pictures, two descriptions. The first is this. It is senseless to pay to send a fool to college. How many of you have any kids that you're paying for to go to college? Anybody? Okay. College is expensive these days. I don't know if you're aware. It is very expensive. Uh, it costs a lot to go, the classes, the books, the housing, the food. It, it is so expensive to pay for a kid to go to college. Maybe some of you went to college. and You remember how much it cost your family to go to school especially if you didn't get a scholarship. It's a lot of money to pay to go to school. And here's, what, here's, the, here's the principle that uh, the, the writer of Proverbs is telling us. If you're paying a fool to go to school, you're wasting your money. He may make good grades, but because he has no heart for learning, he won't bring anything home with him. When I was a kid, I'm a really, really good test taker. Uh, I was terrible at studying, didn't pay attention most of the time in school. I really didn't. Uh, it wasn't until my sophomore year of college that I actually learned how to study and learned how to retain information. But what I was a master at was 30 minutes before a test, skimming over something, and I could keep it in the forefront of my mind long enough to make an A on the test, but you asked me 30 minutes after that, and I couldn't tell you anything about what we learned. I don't recommend you try this at home. Because at some point in my life, I realized uh, I'm a good test taker, but I don't know anything. And, and here's, here's what the Bible is teaching us. is You can send a fool to college, pay the money, and they may come back with good grades, but they won't retain anything because they're not really trying to learn. They're trying to get a degree. They're trying to get, make good grades. They're trying to make friends and enjoy the experience of college, but they're not, they have no heart for learning. Here's the other picture he gives us. The other picture is this, um, and I'll put it into context of my own life. But this is this is a picture of what they say. My wife, let's say she's cooking dinner. We've got some friends coming in, and she's going to cook a meal. She says, Ren and I have everything we need for dinner tonight, but for me to cook, I forgot one main ingredient. I need, let's call it cooking oil, vegetable oil, canola oil, olive oil, whatever kind of oil you cook with. She says, I need this oil. I want you to go get this brand, this kind, and this much. I say, great. So I take off and I head to Walmart or HEB. Sending me to Walmart or HEB is a bad plan right up front. I'm always hungry and I always get distracted. And it's not fair when you go to Walmart, they put my favorite cookies right there by the door. You know those little sugar cookies? Little powder sugar cookie things with the icing on the top. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. 
And so I get to walking through there, and as I said, I'm always hungry. I'm always looking. So I'm walking down the aisles, and I'm looking for the oil, but I don't know where the oil is. So I'm just going aisle to aisle because I don't want to miss it. But while I'm walking along, I go by the sugar cookies. I'm like, well, I really need the sugar cookies. And then I walk down the next aisle, and I see something else. I see some bread. Oh, man, I don't want to run out of bread. Got to make sure we can give my kids uh, sandwiches this week. So I grab a loaf of bread, and then I go to the next aisle. I'm like, oh, man, you know what? I was out of toothpaste. So I grab some toothpaste, and I throw that in the deal. And I go to the next aisle, and I say, man, it's bluebell. <laughs> Can't skip the bluebell. So we put the bluebell in the cart. And you keep going, to, oh, you know what? We, I think we're out of paper towels, and we and I want to make sure we not, can't run out of paper towels and toilet paper. So, you know, and, and for me, I'm never about buying the one or two rolls. I'm like, if we're going to do it, let's do it. So you get like the eight-pack or like the 32-pack of toilet paper, right? And so... You put all that, and I walk out uh, of Walmart or HEB, and I—I I mean, I've spent $150, and, and I've got—I've got loads of groceries, and my kitchen's upstairs. So I don't like making multiple trips. So do the, I do the whole thing where you where you put as many bags on your arm as you can. You know what I'm talking about? So you're literally you got to go through the door sideways like this because you can't get through. And I've got those, and I am loaded down. And I got my wife. My wife loves these little—it's um, like a it's like a carbonated fruit drink. It's like Izzy or something like that. I don't know if you ever had those. She loved them. So I surprised her with some of those, right? And so I come up the stairs sideways all the way up, and I set everything down, and my wife looks at me like, you're going to be so proud of me. Look at all this stuff I got. And I get this, and I show her that. And she's like, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I'm like, aren't you proud of me? I'm putting stuff up. And she's like, I'm proud of you. Um, where's the oil? you have that moment where you're like, guys, have you ever been here? Is this just me? And suddenly you go, um, I I'm going to be back in a minute. <laughs> and this is the picture that Scripture gives us. He says, a fool has no heart for learning. And he puts it in this context. You can send him to the store, and he'll buy all types of good things that might be helpful but the one thing he really needs, which is wisdom, he won't buy it. He'll spend his money on other things, but never get the one thing he really needs, and that is wisdom. Because a fool has no heart for learning. A fool's not trying to learn. Well, here's a couple of other scriptures for you. Proverbs 18 and 15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. See, it's not just about, well, if I learn, I learn. No, no, no. It's about acquiring it, looking to learn, seeking to learn. The heart of the fool has no heart to learn, but the heart of the wise, the heart of the intelligent says, I am acquiring knowledge and I am seeking it out. Do you read? Do you study? Do you learn from others? Are you trying to learn? This is what, is what the person, the wise man does. But the fool says, ah, I'll figure it out when I figure it out. Socrates said it like this. Um, Education is the kindling of a flame, not the filling of a vessel. Meaning, you can take a pot and you can fill it with water and then say, there it is, I'm done. You put it on the shelf because the pot is full of water. But with a flame, if, if you've ever built a fire before, it consumes and it burns things up. So if you want the fire to keep going, you have to continually put 
uh, fuel on the fire. He said, so uh, uh, wisdom and learning is like it's continuing to fuel that flame. I'm a, I am a believer that we should be lifelong learners in our life. Henry Ford said it like this, anyone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80, and anyone who keeps learning stays young. Let me ask you this question. Do you know any old people in your life? I don't mean the fact that they're 80 or 90 or 60 or 70 or like Pastor Ryan, 45. Um, is that right? 43, same difference. Um, I, I don't mean old in years, but I mean old in mind by the fact that they've stopped learning. My grandmother, she's 86, uh, 87, 88, I don't know. She's way up there. Um, She's to the point where you stop counting. You know what I mean? Like you've run out of fingers and toes and all your family's fingers and toes and now it's just yours. But what I love about her, her mind is sharp. Why? Because every day she's reading, she's studying, she's learning something. Or she's on Facebook. <laughs> but her mind is sharp. I want it to be said of me later in my life that he's still learning and his mind is sharp and he's still growing. I don't want to be the person who thinks I know it all and stops learning, stops taking in. Are you an old person or are you a young person? Are you continuing to learn or do you have it all figured out? I love your Navy, so go Cubs. Get that done. Number two, Proverbs 15 and 5. Proverbs 15 and 5. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. The, the, the second thing, uh, trait of a fool that we're talking about today is not only do we hate learning, but you're a fool if you despise discipline. You despise discipline. Now, now here's an interesting point. I mean, I don't love being disciplined. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't enjoy it. But I don't think the Bible says we have to, to love it. He does say we shouldn't despise it and we should learn from it. The wise man says, I just got disciplined. That didn't feel good. I'm going to do something about it. The fool says, I just got disciplined. I don't like that. What is wrong with them? Why would they treat me that way? And then goes out and never makes any changes in their life. How do you respond to discipline? I don't think we have to love it, but I think we should learn from it. A fool despises his parents or one who's in authority, their discipline. Listen, how do you, how do you respond to discipline in your life? Um, some uh, th three three ways that I see fools respond on a regular basis, and and um, you know I don't know all about your life, so I'm not talking about you. I'm sure I'm talking about someone else in your life, but you know you you consider this with me. Now one is this: uh, we respond in anger to discipline. Who are you to tell me? I I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I've given that. And we get angry when we're disciplined. Number two is we blame. Well, you got the wrong guy. 
They made me do it. It was really them. It wasn't me. I did my part. I don't know what you're talking about. And number three is we play the role of the victim. If you only understood what's really going on, if you only understood what I'm facing at home and, and what I'm dealing with, you would have sympathy on me and you would know why I messed up and why I acted that way if you just really understood because I'm the victim. You guys know anybody that responds to discipline this way? Do you despise discipline or do you welcome it in order to gain wisdom and knowledge? Learn from it. That leads us to number three. So you're a fool if you hate learning. You're a fool if you despise discipline. And Proverbs 17 and 10 says it like this. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. A, a person of understanding, a person of wisdom, you can say it to them one time and they'll make changes. But a fool, you can just keep beating them and 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 beating them. See, it's not about the number 100. It's about giving you a picture of you can beat them until your arm falls off, but it won't do any good. Because a fool not only uh, despises discipline, but punishment doesn't help them. You can try to beat it into a fool, but it won't help. I mentioned my daughter earlier. Um, so she's the oldest of the grandkids in our family, and uh, she's older by several years. So she was the only grandkid and the center of everyone's world for several years. We lived in an apartment right down the street from the church, and so we have we have my daughter. Actually, when uh, and my in-laws moved in with us for a little while, but then they got an apartment, like two apartments down. So her grandparents lived two apartments down. My grandparents lived a few miles down the road. She was always over at their house. If she wasn't at one of their two houses, she was at my sister and brother-in-law's house who lived down at the end of our street, and they didn't have any kids at the time. And so Kennedy was always over at her Rara and Uncle Ryan's house. As a matter of fact, true story, when Kennedy lost her first tooth, she was deathly afraid of the food uh, tooth fairy, so she put her tooth at Rara's house and left a note under her pillow that told the tooth fairy to go see Rara's house. That's that's a true story. Um, my my both sets of my grandparents kept her all the time, all the time, all the time. We had an entire youth ministry that just loved keeping her. They always were over at the house, you know, taking care of her, and she just had all these things. Um, everywhere she went, that she was the center of everyone's world. And then we stopped being youth pastors, and we became the campus pastor of our Beaumont campus. So we moved from Nederland to Beaumont. We, she changed daycares. Um, my parents moved to Sugarland. My in-laws moved to Waxahachie, where they pastored just south of Dallas. So we've moved away. Everyone's either moved away from her or she moved away from everyone. All of her friends, everybody she was in the nursery with every Sunday and in preschool class every Sunday, she was no longer with them. And, and it totally tripped her up. And then on top of that, my sister and brother-in-law had a son, Peyton, and we had a, my son, Randy. So now everyone is gone. She was the center of everyone's universe. They're all gone. And... She's got to split time with two other little needy boys. 
messed her up. Three or four years old. She didn't know how to process all the change in her life. So she started having extreme fits. And I don't mean like she threw a fit because, you know, she didn't get a cupcake, so she cried on the floor. No, no, I mean, she did those, still does that. Um, I'm talking about lose her mind to the point where my mother was trying to cast the devil out of her. I'm not making that up. She said, Brandon, I think we need to cast the devil out. I said, my three-year-old does not have the devil in her. She said, okay, you're right. Um, but she would totally, totally lose control. One day when Pastor Lindsay's here, you have to get her to tell you about the story of my daughter and my son and her at Target. I had to come get Kennedy out of the Target parking lot because Lindsay was about to go to jail. It was bad. She would totally lose control, lose her mind, and um, we didn't know what to do. We read books. We asked everyone we could ask. We finally got solutions, and we were watching. Do you remember that show, Nanny 911? I'm not kidding. I'm watching that one day, and we're just, I don't want to watch Nanny 911. Who cares? But I, we're so exasperated. We're just like, maybe this nanny can help us. And sure enough, that lady helped us. And what I had to do to get through these fits, these fits would last anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And I would have to take her, if we were at a restaurant, I would have to leave, put her in the car and take her home, wherever we were. But I would take her to her room. We would both go in her room, me and, me and Kennedy, shut the door behind me, and I would sit up against the, on the floor up against the door. And I wasn't allowed to look at her or talk at her, but I just had to be in the room. And if she would, she would be hitting me, hitting stuff, throwing things, hitting herself. It was bad. The only thing I could do is if she came and tried to hit me, I would just um, not say anything to her. I would just move her away from her and me and not allow her to hit me. And this might go on 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And what we realized was, I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised in a house that got a lot of spankings. My dad believed in whipping my tail, okay? Uh, I mean, I got a lot of whippings growing up. And I learned from him very quickly because I don't like getting whippings, okay? And so I learned from him very quickly. Um, and, and so we whipped in our house. And I know that's not politically correct to say. We got to use time out and punishments. No, no, we gave whippings in my house, okay? Is that all right with everybody? Nobody's going to be mad at me? Okay. <laughs> um, and, and so, but what we realized was when Kennedy went into these fits, you could keep whipping her and whipping her and whipping her until, until literally you'd go, you're going to go to jail for child abuse, but it would never get through to her. And so we finally had to try this. After an hour and a half or so, it was like something would finally click with her, and, and we got her through it. Man, if you're going through a phase like that with your kids or grandkids, I'm praying for you. May the grace of God be ever upon you. May goodness and mercy follow you. May the Lord be with you, because I'm telling you, I almost lost my mind with my daughter. What do you do with a kid when punishment doesn't help them? And whipping them doesn't help them, and discipline doesn't help them. They just totally lost their mind. And as I was reading this scripture, my mind went back to dealing with my three-year-old daughter. And I thought to myself, how many of us are walking through life in the middle of a fit? Our mind is gone. We're facing the punishment of life and the punishment from our authorities and everything else. But whipping us won't help us because our mind is set on our way. We've lost our mind. Don't be that person. Don't be the person. 
The Bible says this, a wise man, a, a man with a learning heart and a learning and an understanding mind says, you tell me one time, you rebuke me one time, and I'm going to make adjustments. But the fool says, you just keep beating me, beating me, and beating me, and beating me. But the punishment doesn't end. Can I get an amen this morning? I, I hate to get so straight with you, and so, but you know, sometimes the word of God is straight. We say things like, well, I'm just hard-headed, Pastor Randon. No, that makes us a fool. We ought to learn quickly, respond quickly, and make changes. Number four, Proverbs 28 and 26. Now we start to get to the, 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 the root of why. Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. You see, here's the thing. We trust our own insight more than we trust the insight of the people around us or the Word of God or our pastor or anyone else. No, I, I know you don't know. But here's the thing in our life. We have 20-20 vision when it comes to the problems of the people around us. Isn't it so clear? You look at them and go, I don't know what their problem is. It's very clear. You know, they're doing this and that's the cause. But when it comes to our own life, we are blind as a bat. We struggle with perceiving problems in our own life. It's one of the reasons that the book of Psalms starts out in chapter 1 with talking about the, the, that the wise have godly counsel. They have a multitude of counsel. Why? Because they can see things that we can't see. But the fool trusts his own insight. He's, he trusts his own way. As a matter of fact, look right here in Proverbs 12 and 15. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. We say, well, my, my gut is just telling me. My heart, I'm just following my heart. You know, that's one of the worst things you can say. No, I'm not kidding. It's one of the worst things. I'm just, when people say to you, just follow your heart, don't listen to them. You know why? The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Your heart will deceive you. If you think your own way is right, you are likely to end up facing the consequences of being a fool. I know I just messed with some of you right there when I said don't follow your heart. And you're like, well, I've been following my heart my whole life. The Bible says your heart, not just mine, because mine is wicked too. But your heart is wicked, and it will deceive you. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Do you listen to other people in your life? Or do you just say, well, you know, I'm going to do it my way. I've got to learn things the hard way. I've got to do it uh, this way. Um, why do we feel that we have to learn it all ourselves? Proverbs 28, 26, same verse, but in the Message Bible. If you think it all, you know it all, you're a fool for sure. Real survivors learn wisdom from others. The wise listen to others. Do you have wise counsel in your life? And are you listening, listening to them? Do you trust your own insight over the godly counsel in your life? Never ask for direction. I'll figure it out when I figure it out. We'll get there eventually. You wonder why life is passing you by and you're getting nowhere. Maybe it's because you're lost and you're not listening to direction. You go to the doctor, but you don't even take his advice. 
boast. We're a fool if we have no heart for learning. We're a fool if we despise discipline. We're a fool if punishment doesn't help. We're a fool if we trust our own insight. And then number five, uh, and this one is just, this one's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this one's gross. Proverbs 26 and 11, New Living Translation. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Between me and my dad, we have four dogs, and they are ranch dogs. And uh, dad has about 90 acres or so, and these dogs love to hunt. We've got an old lady dog, and, 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 and all she does is bark now. She can hardly leave the front porch. She's, she's getting old, and uh, she used to hunt a lot. Now she doesn't much anymore. She just barks. Uh, does that sound familiar to any of you? Uh, Then we got um, Max. Max. I don't know if he's a lab or a mixed breed. Probably not. A, I mean, probably I don't know what he is, but he's a big sucker. He has been run over by a tractor, run over by a car, uh, and and yet he just keeps on smiling. He loves to. The reason he got run over by the tractor was he keeps trying to jump up on the tractor while you're driving it. There's no room for him to get on. He weighs like a hundred pounds, and so every time he so he dad kept telling him no, get off the tractor. So dad uh, doesn't realize it. But he comes running around and tries to jump up on the tractor, doesn't make it because there's no room, falls flat, and Dad runs over him with a big old tractor tire. He's a good dog, though. <laughs> then there's Marmaduke, and uh, Marmaduke is, uh, that, that's our little dog, and, and he's a miniature Australian shepherd, fast as light, and boy, and, and him and Holly. Holly's the baby of the bunch. She's half Australian shepherd. Uh, half Great Pyrenees, so she's solid white, beautiful dog. She's dirty right now because she lives in the pond all the time. But these two dogs love to hunt. They, My dogs sat underneath the tree. All four of them sat underneath the tree. A squirrel was in the tree. They sat there for two days waiting for that squirrel to get up. Two days, they never moved. They would take turns going to eat and then coming back. They love to hunt. Holly almost got her a duck the other day, about a week ago. And and she some there's a there's a mallard and another kind of duck in, in our back pond, and they came up into my grandma's yard and man she took off running and she almost had her a duck but she turned to go through the ditch didn't realize how wet it was wipes out in the ditch just spinning in there and still comes all the way and almost got that duck boy she was gonna have her some duck for dinner she's looking forward to it, but one day my dogs they uh they caught an armadillo and they ate the armadillo. And they always bring their kills up to the front porch and leave them there for you. And they just smile at you like, look what I did. <laughs> like, you get out of here. And so they eat this armadillo. And, and they let it sit there for a couple days to show it off. And then they ate it so it was nice and ripe. It was gross. And so my kids watch Marmaduke eat the armadillo. And then he goes away a little bit. And then he comes back. And he throws the armadillo out in his mouth. My kids, you know, they're all screaming, oh, my gosh, Marmaduke, that's nasty. So Marmaduke walks off. He drinks some water. He comes right back, and he starts looking for vomit everywhere. (laughs) My kids take off running. And for me, it's one of those things where it's so gross, you don't want to look, but you don't want to look away either. 
There's nothing to say about this verse except it is just straight nasty. But the, but the writer of Proverbs chooses this illustration to make a very serious point. You're a fool if you keep on repeating your foolishness or repeating your mistakes. You're like that dog returning to the vomit. Here's the deal that Marmaduke didn't understand. The armadillo was not good the first time. It ain't going to be any better the second time. I'm sure there's a million uh, other illustrations that, that Solomon could have used right here, but he chose this one to get our attention. And he says, I want you to understand, as nasty and as gross and as ignorant as that sounds, that's what a fool does. They just keep on repeating their foolishness over and over and over and over and over again. And we're expecting something different to happen. But we just keep on doing it. And we keep on living life the same way. And we wonder why a decade later, two decades later, we're still facing the same consequences of our actions. And we're blaming everyone else. And all the things, and well, you don't understand, Pastor Randy, you don't know where I came from. And you don't understand my story. Yes, you're right. But you know what? I've heard a lot of stories, okay? And I guarantee you, whatever your story is, I can guarantee you I've heard a worse one. And yet someone else has made it out because they chose to not continually repeat their same foolishness. We keep acting a fool, and we keep acting a fool, and we keep acting a fool, and we keep paying the price and facing the consequences. And, in, in, and Solomon said it's like, it's like a dog returning to his own vomit. People around you are looking at, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good girl. She's a good lady. But she just keeps making the same mistakes over and over over again. Do you know people in your life that you just kind of look at and you just kind of shake your head like, here we go again. And you see it coming. It's clear. You know where you, they, they come and they tell you, oh, I'm going to do this. And you're like, I thought that. Here we go again. Let me ask you a question. Are there people around you that think the exact same way about you? They smile at you. Oh, man, that sounds great. They get in the car with their spouse. My God. Because a fool repeats his foolishness. And he goes all the way back to it. He has no heart for learning. He despises discipline. Punishment doesn't help. He can't be blamed for acting a fool. And so he just keeps repeating his foolishness over and over again. Let me give you two quick consequences, and then we're going to close with our um, Keyboarders, uh, come and uh, two quick consequences. Number one, Proverbs 19 and 3. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at God. Our foolishness ruins our lives and then we shake our fist and point our finger at God in anger. Why did you allow this to happen? And God's saying, told you that was foolish. You've gotten the ring knowing the consequences, and yet you did it anyway. We ruin our lives 
by our own foolishness, and then we're angry at the Lord. Stop being angry at God when we're the ones doing it. You've made a mess of things, and then we're angry at God. Proverbs 10 and 14, wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. Not only are we facing our consequences over and again, but we are inviting disaster into our own lives. We're ruining our own lives. Number two, Proverbs 11 and 29 says, The fool will be servant to the wise. If you act a fool, you will end up serving someone wiser than you. You're no longer in control of your life. You spend your life chasing others rather than going the way God wants you to go. illustration. If you have an inability to control debt in your life and control your spending, so you rack up credit card after credit card, you, you, you take out more loans than you could possibly pay back, you've got to have the new car and the new truck and the new house and the new TV and all the things that go along with it, and, and, and you're the one that's always got the newest version of the phone, but you can't afford it anyway, and so you just keep racking up debt and racking up debt and racking up debt, and then the next thing you know, because we haven't been wise with our money. Now, we spend our lives, every nickel we make, trying to stay ahead of the debt. And we can't do it because the debt's controlling us. We are now the servant to someone who is smart with his money while we are spending it. We become a servant to the wise. But I want to give you one bit of good news as we close today. John chapter 4, Jesus is going through Samaria. He stops at a well, and he begins a conversation with a woman who walks up, and she's dipping water out of the well, and he says, woman, give me something to drink. And she says, what are, you, are you a Jew asking me, a Samaritan, and a woman at that to give you water? Because the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, and Jesus, as a, as a rabbi, was not even supposed to be talking to women, especially Samaritan women. And yet, he begins this conversation with her. In the course of this conversation, he's, he's saying, ma'am, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. Then he says, why don't you go your, call your husband and come here? And she says, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right, you have no husband. You've spoken wisely. For in fact, you have had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not even your husband. She says, how did you know there were two of us? Here's the point. Here's a woman who's been married five times and is now with her sixth man. I don't know if she caused it. I don't know if she if she was the, the problem in the marriage uh, and, and it was and that men were leaving her because she was crazy acting a fool all the time I don't know I don't know if she had five marriages and she met five men who who beat her and were abusive to her and and she had to leave them because they were so horrible I don't know which it was all I know is five times. She had married five different men, and now she's with the sixth. And she had an inability to find someone who would treat her right, and she treats him right. And 
this young girl. She would repeat it in the church over and over and over again. Then one moment with Jesus. And she leaves and she runs back to that city. She's telling everyone that Jesus, about Jesus, she takes it to Christ. One moment with Jesus changed her life. Doesn't mean that she didn't have to go back because she was still living with a guy. She had to figure out how to either marry him or move out one way or the other. She had to go back and deal with the, with the mistakes that she had made. But she had a fresh start because of Jesus. I don't know where you might be in your life. I don't know if you've made a few foolish mistakes or you've got a history of them that have ruined your life. I don't know where you are on the scale, but here's what I know. One moment with Jesus. I want to pray for you and then your pastor's coming. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? We, we have no heart for learning. We despise discipline. Punishment does not help you. You think you're always right. Your way is always right. And you've been repeating it foolishly. But you ruined your own life. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving us enough giving us your word and your scripture to help us. And today, as we talk about it, your Holy Spirit is illuminating areas in our lives where we have maybe been the fool. It may not be every area of our life, but it might be one area or another. It might be in our marriage. It might be in our parenting. It might be at our job. It might be in our finances. It might be one area or the other, but God, we've stopped learning. We've despised discipline. Punishment hasn't helped us. We just think we've always been right, but God, we're realizing now, maybe it was us all along. Holy Spirit, speak to us. In this moment, turn things around just like you did for the woman at the well and give us a fresh start, a chance to leave here and become the wise man and not the fool. Lord, I pray healing that would, would come to so many lives today. I pray that wisdom would come upon us. I pray that you would open our eyes to see clearly and that we would have hearts for learning. Bless your people now. In Jesus' name we pray.